Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. That God inhabits the praises of His people, and so when you praise Him, He inhabits it, and then when you step in it, you're changed. Amen? So some of you done got what you came for. Just sit and be patient with a few because the rest of us need to get it through a different way. Amen? Some of us need to get it through the Word. Some of us know all we need to do is step into the current and, and we're there. God does what He needs to do. Right? And then and some of us need to be a little more stubborn and hear it through the Word. So, so for those of you that are stubborn, I'll try to keep it down to an hour and a half today. Amen? All right. So if you've been here for a while, you know that we've been... In a series, we've been doing a, a worship series called In Living Color. How you living? How you living? In living color. Because the Word of God says that we're called, like Jesse read today, we're called to be living sacrifices. And then another verse says that we're called to bring out the God colors in this world. Amen? We're the Christian adobo. We're called to just bring out the seasoning in this world. That's, a, that's who we, we're called to be. We're called to be living color. And so this series has gotten us talking about everything, relationships, right, and how they shape us. Say amen, married people. Amen. amen. Your wife is making you more like Christ every day because she's causing you to die. So your wife is killing you to make you more like Jesus every day. Amen. Don't say amen too loud. You might get a little elbow. And so all of our, all of our relationships, they're, they're called to, to, you know, we've been called to, to be set apart, to, to live a lifestyle of worship. And we've gone, we, what, what I did was a word study on worship and just everywhere worship popped up. And so right now we left off somewhere in Joshua. But we're going to go through the entire word of God and find out what God has to say about worship. Amen. Because I believe worship is all that we do. Say it with me. All we do is worship. All we do is worship. Everything is worship. Right? right? The way we treat your wife is worship. The way you treat your husband is worship. The way you're a father is worship. The way you're a mother is worship. The way that you're a friend is worship. Amen? All we do is worship. This is, this is my quote. I normally start out with a quote, right? But I'm going to quote myself. Um, and, and this quote is, The answer to almost every crisis that we have has at its center a worship issue. That's deep. Somebody go, hmm. That's deep. The answer to almost every crisis that we have has at its center a worship issue. Let's test it. I have relationship issues, we hear. Well, then you haven't made your relationship with God a priority. Amen? And you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Amen? So redirect your worship. Title of this message, and I want you to leave with these three words in your head. Redirect your worship. You'll understand that better in a little while. So let's test it. I have character issues. Well, then you probably haven't allowed the trials to shape you and mold you. Redirect your worship. I have character issues. Well, then I just said that. I have issues with church. 
I'm, I, you got to understand, I'm a little excited. See, I was on vacation, so I got like two weeks worth to put into one thing, and I feel like I bit into a 220-volt cable. So I'm just trying to calm it and get it out. Amen? So I have issues with, I have insecurity issues. Okay, I have character issues. I have issues with church. Okay, well then stop going to church and start being the church. Redirect your worship. Amen? Redirect. I have trust issues. Well, then stop relying on man who will fail you and start trusting in God who can't fail. Redirect your worship. I'm lonely. I'm sad. I'm hurting. I'm just bad. Redirect your worship. It's all about redirecting your worship. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? What was the enemy's first act of destruction? You got to understand this. It'll change your life. The enemy's first act of destruction was to redirect the worship, wasn't it? Right? He was seeing. He was leading worship. He was Pastor Sal. And he was leading worship. And he was Manny. He was leading worship to God. And then he saw how happy people got and how excited people got about worshiping God. And, and pride started to set in. He said, wait, wait, I want some of that. I'm the one that's leading them. They should worship. And he put himself in on the throne. And so he redirected everybody's worship. That was his first act of destruction. Everything, every issue you have has at its center a worship problem. Redirect your worship. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him because all you do is worship. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The Message Bible says it this way. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, in everywhere you go, and he's the one that's going to keep you on track. Amen. Pastor George Version, redirect your worship. I like to keep it real simple, amen? See, I'm learning more and more throughout this study that we struggle so much Church, listen, this will change your life. We struggle so much because we fight our worship. Let that sink in. We fight our worship. We lose focus sometimes, and, and we let the pressure around us take the pressure off of what matters. Listen to me. When our problems get bigger than God, it's a, fo it's a, it's a, it's a focus issue. It's a worship issue. When your problems are bigger than God, redirect your worship. It's a worship issue. When our pressures get heavier than God, it's a worship issue. It's because your worship is not focused and it's not directed the right way. Because if your focus was directed, then your, your worship would go. If your worship was directed in the right place, your worship would go up. God's presence would come down. Nothing else would matter. Everything you do is worship. Say amen. amen. Listen to this quote. There is nothing that will happen to you today that God didn't already know about and hasn't already worked it out for your good. Nothing. So no complaining, no whining, no crying is going to do any, any amount of anything if God is in control. 
Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. How, how many of you can just take peace in that? All things, amen, two people, great. All things work together for good to those that love God. What's your part in that? <laughs> love God. Yeah, love God. That's your part. All, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So that means if you're called according to his purpose, if you love God and your worship is redirected to the right area, all other things are going to work together for good. Now, some of you could struggle with that verse and you say, but a lot of bad things have happened to me. Anybody? Right? I've, gotten, I've had some bad things happen to me. Guess what? That's part of your story. That's part of who ma what makes you who you are today. And, and that, that, even that, even that, God can work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purposes. I, I went through, I gotta, I've been through things. I'm, I might not even be able to compare with some of the things that you've gone through, but I've questioned things. I was in, in a cult for a year. I was a, a espiritista for a year. Right? And I was, you know, that's part of our, my Cuban culture. That's what we do. We went, uh, I was baptized into that thing. And I was doing, you know, divination and doing all the kind of spiritual witchcraft, which I thought I was serving God. And I wonder, God, why? Why would you leave me in that thing? Why, when I prayed every day, why would you make me go through that? And then, shortly after God delivered me from that, I started meeting all kinds of young people. And I started to see the little chains on their necks. And I started to see the colors. And I started to see the bandanas. And I was able to speak life into them. Because I have already been in there. And God has already worked it together for my good. Amen? And, and another thing, and, and this is very, really prevalent with, with Spanish people. It, it's, that whole, it's a fear-based religion. And so God brought me right into the heart of the enemy to show me how small his mouth was. Come on, if you've ever been scared, that should get you excited. I've been into the heart of the enemy. I've stood in his mouth and realized how small his mouth is. He's got a loud bark. And so people tell me all the time, that, oh, somebody put a chicken on my door. Somebody did a, they, they sent a trabajo after me. They send this. So what? So what? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If they put a chicken on your door, cook it and eat it. <laughs> Say, praise God, free chicken. Amen? What? I mean, it's such a fear-based thing. You know, I had a friend recently call. You got to come pray because we're seeing things in the new house. And you got to, I said, brother, ain't you a believer? Aren't you a Christian? What do I got to go for? I got more Jesus than you? No, wait, I, I have the same authority that you. This happens to be a pastor, by the way. <laughs> and, and, but, but, you know, he wasn't Spanish. And so he wasn't uh, you know, aware of that culture. And so to them, that really scares them. You know, what, whatever you don't know, it scares you, right? I mean, you know, when the cuckoo's under the bed, you don't know what's there. It scares you, right? But then once mommy and daddy comes and lifts up the covers and says, mommy, there's nothing there, then you know that you don't have to be scared anymore, right? Well, well, God did that to me. He lifted up the sheets and he said, there's nothing there. The cuckoo doesn't even exist. If he's there, he's so little, I can't even see him. So I probably stepped on him by mistake. 
Amen? It's all about redirecting your worship. I need you to grasp, grasp this concept today. Paul says in Colossians 1.15, if you're taking notes, 1.15, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, in English, that doesn't make sense. How can something be an image of something invisible? Does that make sense? Like, this is the image of my invisible friend. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. If it's invisible, how can there be an image of it? But when you break it into the Greek, then you get a better understanding of what was being said there. The word there, that, that they said, it says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The word image is a Greek word, E-I-K-O-N, icon. Somebody say, ah. So the word icon is more than just a representation of, it's tied to the original. An icon is not a picture of something. There's a direct relationship between an icon, E-I-K-O-N, and the original. It's where we get our word icon from, I-C-O-N. We get our word icon from there, from that word. For like what my, my oldies, Marilyn Monroe is an icon for sex appeal, sexuality, right? I thought I had, you know, more old, old people in here that wouldn't understand me. My oldies, where we at? Right? Elvis Presley is an icon. Rock and roll, right? Who, who's an icon today of something? Give me an icon. Not Akon, but an icon. Ah, oh, forget it. You understand what I'm talking about, right? An icon is a direct representation of something. Today, we have all kinds of icons for different strange, for strange things. We have, you know, pop music icons. We have, like, Michael Jackson used to be a, an icon for pop music. Now he's an icon for pedophilia, right? And, like, we have icons. An icon is a representation, right? Um, and I don't want to go into a whole bunch of them, but you, you understand what I'm talking about. But listen, it's time for the church to stop being an icon of stuffy, closed-minded, boring do-gooders. And it's time for the church to become an icon for the living, breathing, creative Word of God. Amen? I'm tired of, you know, when we say he's a Christian, they're like, oh, don't curse around him, don't smoke around him, don't drink around him, don't say nothing around him. No, I want people to say he's a Christian. I want people to say, whoa, let's get next to him and see what comes out of this guy. Let's, let's find, you, you, hang, you know a Christian? Let's go hang out with that Christian and see what happens. Right? There's a living, breathing fire inside of that person. Let me hang out with him and see if maybe like Jesus and the woman at the well, he'll tell me something about my life. Let me hang out with that person and see if that living, breathing joy that's supposed to be overflowing in him would rub off on me. Amen? But too, too often, we're an icon for stuffy, do right, leave me alone, don't curse, don't smoke, don't drink, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> be happy like me. And we're, we're like miserable people. Nobody wants to be like us. So it's time for us to switch that, amen? Redirect your worship. And then we'll be an icon for the living, breathing word of God. So there's a direct relationship between an icon and the original. Think about your computers. How many of you know there's icons on your computers, right? And if, if I told you to click on the blue W, what would that open up? Microsoft Word. If you clicked on, if you clicked on the green X, what would that open up? Microsoft Excel. Uh, how about the P? 
point. How about the, uh, the, the, what? Slow down. Let me get them out. How about the E? Ex Internet Explorer. See, you guys know what the icons are. But listen, if you might not recognize some, if I give you a new computer and, and you know, they come with like 46 icons on the desktop. I hate that personally. I like to have two or three and that's it. Like no clutter on it. I love that. But I put everything in a folder so there's a tons of junk but it's hidden. So if, if I gave you all new computers, if I say, look under the desk in front of the chair in front of you, there's a new laptop. Don't look. Come on. Give me a break. And, and you opened it up, there would be icons that you didn't know what, rep, what they represented. The icons that you didn't know what they were connected to, right? So what would you have to do? Press on them. You'd have to double click on them, right? To find out what they're connected to. Oh, this is good. You press on them to find out what they're linked to. Well, when someone presses on you, what comes up? Somebody woke up. When the pressures of this world press on you, what, what, what comes out? What do you represent? What are you linked to? Amen? When somebody cuts you off, what are you linked to? What comes out of you? When somebody flips you the bird and tells you you're number one, what comes out of you? What comes out of you when somebody presses on you? What are you linked to? Is it the living, breathing word of God? If not, redirect your worship. Amen? When someone at your job or your school is trying to figure you out and they keep pressing on you and pressing on you, what, what do they get? Do they get the living, breathing, creative word of God? Not too many amens. What's up with that? See, if Christ is the icon or the image of the invisible God, and then we are the icon or the image of the now invisible Christ. Jesus is the icon of the invisible God. We are the icon of the now invisible Christ. So we are a direct representative to Christ. He's in us, isn't he? Three of us, amen. That's good. That's a good start for a church. Three Christians is good. So the living, breathing word of God is in us. He's in us. We are an icon to God. So every time, listen, when, here's the three things we need to do. We need to redirect our worship. We need to renew the relationship. And we need to recognize who we're linked to. Amen? See, sometimes in computing, thank you, brother. You are linked to an awesome, creative man of God. Of which the Lord is well pleased. Oh, that was good. Sometimes in computing, we get associations wrong. Let me explain that a little bit. For those of you that are not geeks. If you have a dot .doc doc file that is connected to Microsoft Word. So every time you click on a dot .doc file, Word opens up, right? If you went into, like many people, anybody that worked at a help desk would know that people do this. I don't know why, but if you went into the, the, the associations of the files and you started thinking you knew what you were doing and started changing things, you could associate dot .doc files with uh, paint. And so every time you clicked on a dot .file, paint opened up and you get an error because they're not associated, Right? See, we need to redirect our worship, renew our relationship, and recognize who we're linked to. That's the reason we get so many errors. 
That's the reason we have so many issues. Because we don't recognize who we're linked to. And, and we're not always renewing that relationship, making sure that every time someone double clicks on us, God comes out. Amen? So every time someone presses on you, every time a situation puts pressure on you, with every click, let them get God. Let them press on you and get love. Let them press on you and get forgiveness. Double click on you and get understanding. When they press on you, let them get joy. When they press on you, let them get peace. When they press on you, let them get forgiveness. When they press on you, let them get everything they never expected to get. Amen? Everything they didn't expect to get when they press on you. Sidebar, let anyone find out you're a Christian and they're going to double click on you. They will press on you all the time, watching, because the world is watching. The world is hungry. People are, are like, man, I'm, I'm sick of, of, what do you think we have? Oh, um, this guy just tried to kill himself. Millions of dollars. He's made tons of movies. And, and why, why would you kill yourself? Why would you attempt suicide? Why? Because you have a heroin problem. Why would you go to heroin when you have all the money in the world to buy everything? Why would you buy a $20 drug? with a free needle. Why? Right? Because none of that satisfies. And so the world is looking for something real. Something real. And so if, if you can't find it in a prostitute and you can't find it in a needle and you can't find it in a pill and you can't find it in a drink, then, then you need somebody to find it on. And when somebody tells you, I'm a Christian, I go to church, they're going to double click on you and t t test you out. Because they want to see if that's real. Because if it's real, they need it so bad. Amen? Amen? Listen, we, we were on vacation last week, uh, uh, me and a lot of the team. That's why a lot of us were missing. I want to thank everybody that made that possible and thank those that, that bought that trip for us and, and those that arranged it. We had an awesome time. And every night for dinner, we were on a boat, and every night for dinner, we sit together at the same table and have the same waiters, table 162. Holla! We did that every night. Everybody around us was so sick of us. But, but, but my, my whole point of bringing this up is that there wasn't one other table that had more fun than we did. And everything we did, they tried to copy. Right? I mean, everything we did, they tried to copy. They wanted to be just like us. The problem that they found out, I guess, or if they asked, there wasn't one drop of alcohol on our table. But yet everybody must have told, thought we were just wasted out of our minds. But if they asked our waiters, they, nothing, they're not drinking nothing, water and lemonade. I'm sure they said, well, then bring that lemonade to our table. Because 162 is having fun. Amen. Let me close with this. Listen. It doesn't matter, and this was already said. Jesse already stole my whole end of the sermon, but praise God. That just means God needs you to hear it twice. It doesn't matter, and this, you got to hear this. It doesn't matter what you used to be. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you've done. That's all part of your story, and that's what has brought you here to this point. Please receive that. 
I was reading in Joshua where I left off about two weeks ago, and there were more places where the word worship popped up. And as I kept reading, if you read on to the end of Joshua, Joshua is now really old. And, and they've done a lot. God has delivered them from so much. He's seen everything that God has brought the people from all the way from Egypt now to the promised land. They're living fat and healthy and happy. God has been faithful again and again and again. But now Joshua is getting old. And his concern, his worry is that the world and the people around them would come and redirect their worship. That, that the pressures of, of, of the people around them would redirect their worship off of God. See, Joshua's problem, Joshua's fear is that the enemy would steal, kill, and destroy and would redirect their worship. So on Joshua's sort of like deathbed in his dying days, he called all of this, the people together. And he calls everybody together. They're all gathered together because he wants to give them one final sermon one final message he wants to share one last thing with them and it's such a beautiful thing because as as he's he's sharing that he calls them together and as he's speaking to them god gives them a prophetic word for his people and it's such a beautiful word not so much in what it says as in what it doesn't say and so I want to close with this reading. I, wanna, I don't normally read you a paragraph of scripture, but I really need you to kind of just stick with me this one time. I'm just going to read it through. I want you to listen to what it says and listen for what it doesn't say. Joshua's gathered them all together. The Lord starts to speak through Joshua. And Joshua reads this to his people. This, this is in Joshua 24 for those of you taking notes. This is what God, the God of Israel says. A long time ago, your ancestors, Terah, and, and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived to the east of the river Euphrates, and they worshipped other gods. I took your ancestor, Abraham, from the far side of the river, and I led him all over the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac, and then I gave Isaac Jacob and Esau. And I let Esau have the mountains of Seir as home, but Jacob and his sons ended up in Egypt. I sent Moses and Aaron, and I hit Egypt hard with plagues, and I led you out of there. I brought your ancestors out of Egypt. You came to the sea, the Egyptians in hot pursuit with chariots and cavalry to the very edge of, this, of the Red Sea. Then they cried out for help to God and he put a cloud between you and the Egyptians and then he let the sea loose on them and it drowned them and you watched the whole thing with your own eyes, what I did to Egypt. And then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the country of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan and they fought you, but I fought for you and you took their land. I destroyed them for you. Then Balak made his appearance and he was the king of Moab and he got ready to fight Israel by sending Balaam to come and curse you, but I wouldn't listen to Balaam and he ended up blessing you over and over again. I saved you from him. 11. You then crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the Jericho leaders ganged up on you. As well as the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Wow. But I turned them over to you. 
I sent the hornet ahead of you, and it drove out the two Amorite kings, and it did the work for you. You didn't have to do a thing, not so much as raise a finger. Listen, 13. I handed you a land for which you did not work, towns that you did not build, and here you are now living in them and eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. So now, fear God. Worship him in total commitment. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the river. You worship God. And if you decide that that's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God today whom you will serve. And do it today. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you are now living. But as for me and my family, we will worship God. Amen? See, Joshua was concerned that they would stray and that they would forget and lose their focus. And, and it's, it, God showed that it, he showed his heart. And so God retold the whole story of their deliverance. What I just read to you was the entire story of the Israelites' deliverance from Egypt all the way to the promised land as God told it. He reminded them of how they got to where they were now. Right now they were in a sweet place. All of their enemies for the time had been wiped out. They were all defeated and handed over. They were living in towns they didn't build. They were eating foods they didn't have to plant. They were a rich and prosperous people. It's a beautiful picture of living in right relationship with God. God mentions where they started from. He told them, you were idol worshipers. Right? He says right in the beginning, you used to worship other gods. He tells them in the beginning where they, where they came from. He tells them who they were. And then he tells them about all of his faithfulness throughout all of the history. He gives them a history lesson of where they came from and how faithful God has been throughout their history. But one thing was left out of that whole lesson. How many of you already know what was left out? Their transgressions. He left out all of their sin. He didn't mention anything that they did wrong. He said, this is who you were when I found you. You were some idol worshipers. And look at everything I brought you through, deliverance, through deliverance. I delivered you, I gave you, I gave you, I gave you, I gave you. And here you are now, and I've been faithful to you ever long, all the time. But did he mention one time? The time that they made a golden calf and prayed to it. He didn't mention the, the, all the times that they complained to Moses. God, Moses, we're just going to have manna from heaven every day. We want meat. And so God gave him meat. He didn't, come, he didn't mention that they complained and complained. The meat is choking me. The meat is choking me. Are we not going to have water? God, Moses, we should have water. You should have left us. And God gave him water from a rock. He didn't mention all the complaining. He didn't mention all the times they turned. He didn't mention all the times that he brought up God's anger so bad that God had to send plagues and kill thousands of them. But when God tells the story, he forgets every part of those. Say amen. God forgets everything they did wrong. He remembers who they were and he sees them as how they are now. He forgets to mention everything that they did wrong, all the times that they were faithless throughout that whole history. Somehow he forgot, he forgot their sins. 
Psalm 103, 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us today. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? See, someone needs to hear that today. If you're struggling with guilt and shame, then the enemy has redirected your worship. If you're struggling with insecurity, if you're struggling with, with doubt, if you're struggling with, with hey, is that God really talking to me? Does God really love me? If you're struggling with any of that, the enemy has successfully redirected your worship. If you struggle with, with people jumping up and down and worshiping God, the enemy has redirected your worship and got you to look at the wrong things. If you struggle with the way people are dressed who are worshiping, then, then God has you struggling. The enemy has redirected your worship and has you struggling with the wrong things. If, you're, if, you're only, if your only struggle is the way, you know, people aren't wearing, wearing ties or they're wearing hats in church or they're, they're chewing gum or they're drinking, then the enemy has redirected your worship. If you're sitting there saying, I could never be one of those in the front with my hands raised and because everybody that sits around me knows me, then the enemy has successfully redirected your worship. And without even knowing, you're worshiping the, the evil one whose mouth is too small. Without knowing, church, you're worshiping the dark one. And, and today, I believe God did it already during worship, but I believe he's still working with some of you. God wants to just redirect your worship. And he's to connect that association back. He wants to restore that relationship. He wants to renew that relationship for some of you. He wants you to recognize who you're linked to. If you're battling with behavior, if you're battling with thoughts, the enemy has redirected your worship. And so I say to you today, I proclaim it, I declare it over you today. Redirect your worship. You have the authority to redirect your worship. Say to yourself today what, what, what he said. He said, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. If that's you, if that's something that you're struggling with, if that's speaking to you today, I just would you would you just come and join me? And in these closing moments, would you just come and make sure that your associations are right? Make sure that your relationship is right. Make sure that you're recognizing who you're linked to. If there's any doubt in your head, would you just reconnect that today? Would you renew that today? Come, don't wait, come. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.